0: You are on the line live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at FoxSports983.com or ESPNAU.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502. You are on the
1: line with Noah Gardner and Lance Daw on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Also airing on Facebook. You can watch our Facebook live stream on the various Facebook pages, Radio Alabama Sports, ESPN 106.7, and on Fox Sports Central Alabama Facebook pages. Lance, how you doing today, my man?
2: Doing fantastic. The weather actually feels great outside, even though it looked for a minute there earlier today like the bottom was just going to drop out. But it's looking a little sunny right now. It's been beautiful weather over the past couple of days.
1: Yeah, I was concerned about some rain coming in this afternoon. There's a high-profile high school baseball matchup, and you know how much I love high school sports. There's a high-profile high school baseball matchup locally here in Auburn coming up, a doubleheader that you'll be working the board for over on 96.3 WLE, Auburn High School taking on Smith Station, a big area matchup there that can decide a lot of things for the postseason. Auburn going to have to sweep Smith Station this afternoon, in order to punch their tickets to the postseason, and if they do just that, they will be playing in the postseason, and that's a nationally ranked top twenty Auburn high school baseball team that got sucker punched yesterday by Smith right. Station in a loss. So, big local high school baseball game. You'll be able to check that out after our show. What time's first pitch for Game One? I believe it's four thirty. I believe it's four thirty. So you can hear that over on ninety six three W E if you're looking for some top notch high school baseball in the state of Alabama, or really just nationally, because once again, that Auburn high school team, a national brand in high school baseball. Scott Bagwell will be on the call once again at 4.30 on 96.3 WLE. we got a packed show for you guys today. I promise we're not talking high school baseball across the show. We've got Auburn football talk as we near the A-Day spring game this upcoming Saturday. We'll continue our A-Day depth chart series also coming up at 2.30. We'll have Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer On the Line with us as well. Great show lined up for you guys today. We'll also talk a little college basketball and what a certain probation period for USC basketball that was handed down by the NCAA. What does that mean for Auburn basketball moving forward? When will we know about this team's fate? All that and more on the Thursday edition of On the Line. Let's start it off with the 8A depth chart series. We're to our final position group. We left off special teams because that's pretty obvious at the moment. We know who the kicker is. Of course, I guess there is a little bit of a position battle at punter. We have no idea who is going to be returning kicks. Just too weird of a position group to try and break down. So we limited it just to offense and defense, and we're now to the safety position. And I want to start it out on the free safety side of things. But then again, I have to disclaim this. Auburn doesn't really differentiate between the two safety spots they kind of do the same thing the roles are very similar right they're both hybrid type players in this day and age that are forced to be able to do different things they're versatile players pass coverage and run support on both sides on top of that the ability to also sometimes add pass rush to the game so pass rush pass coverage and also run support for that safety position for Auburn and both of them are going to look Pretty similar. You're going to see more Smoke Monday types, I feel like, in the Auburn defensive backfield than you're going to see Jamie and Sherwood types in the Auburn defensive backfield when you're talking about the safety position. But let's start with what we believe to be what would traditionally be known as the free safety position based on the side of field that it would would line up on.
2: Right and I think I think that's got to be Smoke Monday lining up there and like you said versatility with Smoke Monday I mean you can put him in pass rush you can put him at the line of scrimmage uh, for run support and you can put him in pass coverage he's been we've seen him do all three of those things during his time at Auburn a very talented guy just looking at his numbers from last year 73 tackles four of those tackles for loss he had two picks and three passes deflected he, that was in 10 games uh it, rather it was in 11 games but he only started 10 of those I assume that one was because of injury but the dude is really talented he's very very big uh in my opinion for a secondary player especially in college football at six foot three 210 pounds dude's got the size dude's got the ability and he's become progressively better and better uh as he's played here at Auburn
1: the big thing for smoke Monday for me and you're 100% right this is the lock Roger McCreary and Smoke Monday are your two locks where they're going to be playing at in the Auburn defensive backfield. And last week we talked about cornerbacks, this week talking about safeties once again. Smoke Monday is the vocal leader of the Auburn defense. There are other leaders on this defense and other position groups. I think you would say Truesdale has to be a leader on the defensive line, right? The guy's been here for five years now. He has to be a leader on the defensive line, but he's not someone that first comes to mind when you're talking about leaders on the Auburn defense. Mm Mm-hmm. Two guys that come to mind immediately when you're talking about leaders on the Auburn defense are Owen Papo and Jacoby McClain, but not nearly as vocal, I believe, as Smoke Monday maybe is across the entire defense. And if you're just looking at the defensive backfield, the most vocal player out of any of the defensive backs, which it's a pretty quiet defensive backfield that doesn't really do a whole lot of trash talking, there's not a whole lot of flash. Smoke Monday will trash talk his way up and down the field, even if he's getting pushed backwards. And I'm not saying that that's a a negative thing. I'm just saying that that's kind of in Smoke Monday's personality. He's a vocal guy, and that lends a hand to now, the fact that he's going into his third, fourth year at Auburn. He is a vocal leader for this football team. And when you see what all these different players are talking about, and Jalen Simpson had media availability yesterday, he called Smoke Monday one of those leaders Now, with that being said, I think a big part of why Smoke Monday is back at Auburn this year is because there are major areas where he can improve. What's great about him, he's versatile. He can even offer you stuff in the pass rush game. He's came up to the line of scrimmage, and I think that Derek Mason can use him in different ways to confuse quarterbacks and can bring him up to the line in similar ways that Kevin Steele did, and maybe be able to generate sacks from a defensive back position or possibly quarterback hurries that maybe are unconventional but areas in which he needs to improve. He needs to improve with his down-to-down coverage. Excellent ball hawk skills. You think about the pick six that he had in the Iron Bowl, and you also think about the pick six that he had last year against Tennessee. The guy has done it multiple times. He's obviously an athlete, and he obviously has great skills in terms of being able to intercept passes across the top, but he also has the tendency to be one of two players that would have been involved in a lot of blown coverages last year, Christian Tutt and Smoke Monday. So I would like to see more improvement with down-to-down coverage consistency, but a lot of versatility from this guy, a lot of skills that can translate to the next level, a lot of athleticism. I think we could be seeing this guy on Monday nights one day. Play on words with his last name, of course. Smoke Monday's talented. There's just areas in which he can improve too.
2: Yeah, I I, I agree with you. Um, as far as his his vocal leadership goes, I think that's just that's natural for the position. I think a lot of defensive backs like to talk trash, and I'm actually very thankful that a lot of Auburns don't. I think that's something fantastic that both Zach Etheridge and Derek Mason are going to bring to this group is focus fundamentals. We've talked about this for for two or three weeks now. I think these guys are going to bring more of a business like mentality, like Papo and McLean do to their work ethic instead of trash talking although there 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 is there i'm not saying that it's wrong i'm not saying that what what smoke likes to do is wrong i'm just saying that i do like that mentality where it's just like let's just go out somebody's there somebody's the gotta job be done. like that somebody right? does have to be the vocal leader though on the defense and i'm very happy that we do have monday to do that as far as areas that he can improve i've talked about this i think i talked about it on yesterday's show he's got to improve on his lateral movement he's got to be able to get sideline to sideline a little bit better he's got really tight hips he's got the speed we've seen him show that off on those two pick sixes that he got both in the Tennessee and the Alabama game but I'd like to see him get sideline to sideline whenever there's a there's a drag route or there's somebody in coverage that that just can't get to that receiver that's coming across I need Smoke Monday to be the guy that gets there and then the other thing that you talked about is downfield coverage I don't want to see blown coverages from Smoke Monday anymore I don't want to see Jalen Waddle. Thirty yards behind Smoke Monday <laughs> on the opening touchdown of the
1: Iron Bowl. I just we can't see that. I out think of a, a lot of that's leader. going to be rectified by Auburn's scheme. Auburn was very rigid and it looked like the nickel position had a really hard time. Whoever was playing there, whether it was Christian Tutt or Tennyson, I think both of them looked lost at that spot. I think a lot of it's going to be rectified with a scheme change here, but you're you're spot on alone coverage cannot happen at the safety position that is furthest away from the line of scrimmage and that is smoke monday's spot out in that defensive backfield backing him up i'm going to go with amari harvey and i feel like you have him there as well i I agree yeah i I think uh, harvey's going to back him up Amari harvey right now kind of under the radar bit. he's one of auburn's highest signees in the 2021 class a lot of experience in multiple position groups returning so it's easy to overlook harvey it's easy to overlook any freshman from this 2021 class just considering it was one of the worst recruiting classes I shouldn't say one of the worst it was the worst recruiting class that Gus that Gus Malzahn ever pulled in and it is one of the worst recruiting classes that we've seen if not the worst recruiting class that we've seen in the last decade for Auburn football from a ranking standpoint had a difficult time getting inside the top 25 so it's easy to overlook Freshmen, incoming freshmen this year in terms of trying to get playing time because you wonder if they're ready you wonder if they're good enough especially with so much experience returning on that side of the football but the safety position is actually pretty skimpy there's a reason why Auburn went side three or four safeties in this recruiting class alone and Amari Harvey is the top one of that group there's a lot of versatility there with him I think he's athletic he looks to me to be the heir to smoke Monday's throne this guy will probably take his spot if Chris Thompson Jr. or Ladarius Tennyson doesn't end up being the two guys in the secondary. I remember Daniel Thomas and then, why am I forgetting it now? Jeremiah, who? Denson. Denson. Denson and, and now I'm forgetting the other name. What is wrong with me right now? <laughs> that's good. That's good. Denson and Thomas in the backfield. Those two guys didn't start out as safeties, they moved to be safeties over time and they ended up being back there so i'm wondering if something like that happens with chris thompson jr and ladarius Tennyson, if those two guys both didn't start out with a whole lot of playing time Tennyson obviously started out in the nickel in his times at auburn chris thompson jr has started out at the safety position but i'm wondering if just because they're your two best guys if they end up being the future safeties over amari harvey maybe getting there over time but in terms of play style right now amari harvey's skill set and he's undersized, he's like five foot ten, one seventy, needs to bulk up a little bit, but his athleticism and his skill set, being a ball hawk, very lends similar. a hand to to be very similar, yes, to Smoke Monday. Yeah, I completely agree with you, Harvey.
2: A four-star prospect out of Tallahassee, Florida, like you mentioned, undersized, five foot ten, one seventy. Whenever I was looking at two four seven to just kind of get like a, just an assessment of what this guy can do, there were a lot of things that they they were hard on him about. It was like his size was definitely one of them. Uh, that he and rightfully uh, so, one
1: seventy is not good enough for safety in yeah,
2: college, right? It, it, apparently, he he has speed. He he doesn't have enough. Speed speed he leaves something to be desired in that in that category but what I saw from film and what what twenty four seven sports was harping on is this guy's natural ability to just get to the football. He's just got that football IQ. And you mentioned about the return game. If he can put on a little bit more weight and get a little bit more speed added to this game, I think he's going to be the guy's returning kicks and returning punts for Auburn in the in the upcoming future. Because he, he likes just like Smoke Monday, he's a ball hawk. He does great with the ball in his hands. He's got great movement from sideline to sideline. Um, but he he's just a natural playmaker and i do think we'll see him kind of back smoke monday up but for future long-term plans not only do i think he's going to be starting safety but i do think he's going to be returning punts for sure and i'm not sure about kickoffs just yet but he will be playing special teams
1: as well for me the biggest threat to amari harvey's playing time in the defensive backfield is ladarius Tennyson and chris thompson jr and the point that i was trying to make a few moments ago that i'm now going to make more eloquently is we have seen players moved from the, quarterback, the cornerback position, I was almost more eloquent, the cornerback position to the safety position. We've seen guys move around that cornerback spot and then end up as safeties by the time they ended their career at Auburn. Now, right. that was in the Malzahn regime. that had a tendency to play guys out of position, but we've already seen this with Tennyson. Tennyson on the roster, we'll get to the strong safety position in a bit, Tennyson on the roster is listed as a safety. He played nickel corner last year at Auburn. He was, a, he was a relief corner for Auburn last year in that defensive backfield. And he got on the field sparingly, but when he did, he impressed people. Tennyson moving to the safety position. We've also heard positive things about Chris Thompson Jr., a younger safety in this group. And considering Auburn does not differentiate between its two safety spots, and they both are going to be doing pretty much the same thing, if Auburn likes Tennyson and Thompson Jr. more, when Smoke Monday leaves, I wouldn't be shocked, considering Tennyson and Thompson Jr. will have more experience over Harvey, I would not be shocked if they ended up becoming your two safeties. Similar to how Daniel Thomas and Jeremiah Denson both started out as corners at Auburn and ended up playing in pseudo safety roles for Auburn by the time that they left
2: yeah as far as uh experience goes at this safety position outside of Tennyson who 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 played Nickelback last season so I'm talking about safety position last season as far as experience goes Chris Thompson's the next guy up yeah eight only eight tackles in six games he's listed at 6'2 205 I do like that size compared to both Harvey and Tennyson but as far as Tennyson's experience goes I mean he in his time that he was able to get with Tut out uh with an injury Uh, He played pretty solid, 21 total tackles in about, what, five or six games last season, uh, listed at 5'10", 195. I'm not not mad at that size. I do like having taller safeties. I I just prefer that. Uh, I I think it's really good, especially you're going to have ball hawks like Smoke Monday. Um, But I, I think... Auburn does have potential they just don't have experience at that safety spot and you could go with any of these three guys behind Monday you could go with Thompson you could go with Harvey you could go with Tennyson and like you mentioned simply because Thompson and Tennyson have more experience than Harvey I would not be surprised if they were the two starters moving forward that being said there is talent here and I think Harvey's definitely does have a shot but if I'm going to rank the safeties as far as depth goes I would say Monday I would say Harvey right now Thompson and Tennyson, and simply because the only reason I'm putting Tennyson at four is because I do think he will see Nickelback more often than any of those other three players.
1: And we're going to have some disagreement on that later on because I think Tennyson is going to end up playing safety more than anything else. I think he'll end up starting at safety, and we'll get to that later. But the other thing that I want to note about Harvey here in terms of his playing time this season, and first of all, this is without having seen how much playing time he gets in the 8A game because we really don't know how quickly he is picking up the defense but his playing time is going to be contingent on how quickly he adjusts to the collegiate game from an intelligence standpoint from an IQ standpoint from picking up the game and understanding the defense understanding the scheme understanding being in the right position a lot of playing defense is being in the right position to make plays and Harvey's going to have to learn that and sometimes freshmen take longer than other freshmen right so not everybody has a different learning curve but if Harvey picks it up quickly you know, like you said, Chris Thompson Jr. has the most experience out of some of these guys outside of Smoke Monday in terms of playing time at the safety position. He might be further along than Harvey. Maybe we see a trio of Monday, Thompson Jr., and Tennyson more than we see Amari Harvey get on the field. All of that to be determined. We'll know more after A-Day has played this Saturday, and we're going to have a smorgasbord of things to talk about next week in terms of where we got things wrong in our A-Day depth chart series and where things stand after the spring game and, of course, there's still the entire summer and fall for things to change as new freshmen come in that are not on the team at the moment. And I think they're going to have a hard time seeing the playing field because they aren't with the team in the spring. There's a lot of experience on this roster already coming back that they're going to have a hard time surpassing just because they haven't been with the squad yet. But still, there's a lot that is going to change before now in week one of the regular season. And I'm just excited to be able to see these guys hit the field so that we can see where we're right, where we're wrong, and then be able to adjust it and know a little bit more about this football team. Because not a whole lot of information has come out of Auburn's camp over the last couple weeks since they started spring practice. We'll continue with more of On the Line on the other side of this break. Going to talk a little Auburn baseball. The Iron Ball is headed to the baseball diamond. We'll talk about that on the other side of this break. You're On the Line with Noah Gardner and Lance on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama phone lines are open now 334-321-1390 we want to hear from you whatever's on your mind in the sports world auburn related whatever you want to talk about call in at 334-321-1390 find lance and i on twitter at point gardner at intern jaws lance any update on the twitter handle search because you're looking to change your handle you're no longer an intern have to remind you of that every day that's right you have to every <laughs> single day you're like where's the twitter handle dude we were t- we were
2: sitting in the in the 94.3 room earlier joking about some potential uh some potential candidates um that i'm glad it, you're not going that with I, one of them that, that i'm not going with but it would be entertaining um i have been i've been i've been reaching out to some people that that may be uh helping me out uh, co- as far as coming up with a creative name uh, i've not had a whole lot of success again this is going on like three weeks now
1: it's been going on for it, much longer it, it's than three up, weeks the well, bit has been on the show for three weeks but been it's been wa- going on for
2: much longer i've been wanting to change my twitter handle for months but yeah. <laughs> i just haven't i just wanted to change it to something and then that be it forever i'm not just trying to th- think of something temporary i've changed my twitter handle two or three times but now i want to be able to say okay i'm no longer an intern what am i going to do moving moving from here on out and what can i use as a twitter handle that would reflect that and i just haven't found anything that's creative and doesn't sound cheesy or cringy
1: you know you're, you're just you're going through a phase my man you're going through a phase you're trying to discover you you're trying to discover your identity <laughs> you know auburn baseball is trying to do that as well at 1-11 in sec play their season is on the precipice with a series against Alabama starting tonight in Tuscaloosa. SEC Network broadcast tonight at 6 p.m. That's how you can watch the game. The recipe for success for these two teams. Like I said, Auburn's season at the moment on the precipice. Look at the SEC standings. LSU and Alabama were right down there in the cellar with Auburn last weekend. And then LSU took two out of three against Kentucky, and Alabama swept Texas A&M. Auburn that was right down there with Alabama and LSU in the bottom of the SEC West two of those teams got their season at least moving in the right direction now I believe Auburn has reached the point of no return if they can't take this series this weekend
2: I I agree with you mathematically you're running out of games uh, we exactly we were talking about it on yesterday's show It's, it's becoming more and more I don't want to say impossible because Nothing. Nothing would be impossible to accomplish in this baseball season, but it's looking very, very unlikely uh, for Auburn to to kind of squeeze some wins out here consistently. And whenever we were talking about it yesterday, it was like I want you to understand for people that are listening how how unprobable it is for Auburn to, to take two two out of three every single series from here on out. It's just not
1: going to happen. But I think it's possible the schedule gets easier. Of course, teams like Florida, right. who are 6-6 six and six in conference play, but are still just as talented as anybody. Same as Georgia at 5-7, and seven, also a talented team. They took two out of three against Vanderbilt right. this past weekend. The challenge is great for Auburn, but not impossible. I'm also not ruling out series sweeps. sweeps in there for Auburn to be able to erase some of what happened early on in the SEC schedule. But one thing is for sure... It has to begin now. You can't wait any longer. You can't take another sweep. You can't. You really don't need to take another series loss because if you're sitting at two and thirteen after this weekend, once again the the math, the arithmetic, it, it becomes really difficult to reach the magic number of thirteen or fourteen wins that you would need to even be considered for a spot in the NCAA tournament. Some bracketologies out there for baseball have LSU in right now, and they're sitting at. A pedestrian 20 and 12 overall and 3 and 9 in the SEC. And they're expecting LSU to basically do what we're saying Auburn can do. The thing is, people may be thinking, I feel like a lot of people just, you know, taking the, taking the temperature of the community on social media that's keeping up with baseball, I feel like a lot of people have written off Auburn already, considering mm-hmm. they are 1 and 11. I understand that. I get it. It hasn't looked great. But I've said this time and time again on this show. And honestly, I should have it put on a T-shirt or I should have it put on a plaque. Never write off talent. This team still is extremely talented. And that's why we have continued this narrative on the show that they're not too far gone. But mathematically, they're running out of time. in this series against Alabama, extremely important. Still just a few moments left in this segment here before we have Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer coming up at 2.30. You're going to want to stay tuned for that conversation. What's the recipe for success for Auburn against Alabama this weekend I think we, we've talked about it so much
2: on the show the hit to run ratio for Auburn Auburn is 13 and 3 whenever they out hit their opponents now the question is against better te- teams like Alabama will they be able to actually turn those hits into runs Will they actually be able to score? And I think that's something that we've been harping on all season, and it's going to be very important in this game. I think another thing that Auburn has to look at is they got to be able to survive Alabama's top-heavy rotation. they got to be able to survive those guys that can crank it. We were talking with Sting yesterday about how many home runs that Alabama hits consistently, especially over the past four or five games. And another thing that Auburn has to do is they got to they got to improve in the bullpen. Greenhill is currently two and zero. He has a 1.5 ERA and a one point, or a .173 batting average in his last five starts for the Tigers. We got to see imp- continuous improvement from him, and then we got to see it from guys like Gonzalez, who's going to be starting the Saturday game, and then we got to see Jack Owen get back into form. I know he's recovering from that injury, but we got to see him play well Friday. And as far as Alabama goes, you know they got to be able to hit those solo shots. Off of Auburn, they got to be able to capitalize on those because Auburn. I don't know if you know this, they actually lead the country in double plays. They have 35 double plays on the season. Very impressive for a squad that is currently 13 and 16 and 1 and 11 in the conference. So I, I'm looking for Auburn just to survive Auburn uh, Alabama's best. They they got to be able to turn those runs into hits or hits into runs rather, and then they got to be consistent. <laughs> throughout the bullpen they just got they got to have better you got to give
1: their starters a little bit more a little bit more relief the, than what they're doing at the moment because the double the, the double plays
2: indicate that Auburn's not losing these games because of defense they're losing it at the mound they got to improve their pitching
1: no doubt and nobody's going to argue with you uh, nobody's going to argue with you on that one starting pitching for me this is the recipe for success for Auburn starting pitching must be lights out I am not putting my bets on the Auburn bullpen all of a sudden creating a magic turnaround in Tuscaloosa this weekend I'm just not they're 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 depleted due to injury they're depleted probably due to confidence there's a variety of reasons but this Auburn bullpen right now whereas a month ago we thought there could have been a relatively deep bullpen it just hasn't come to fruition the starting pitching must be lights out similar to what it was Against Arkansas, against Boston College, there have been series this season where we've seen Greenhill, and then most recently Jack Owen even had a good start as well over his last two starts that he's had. We have seen starting pitching at times put good outings out there, but then the bullpen fell them. Starting pitching is going to have to be lights out if auburn is going to be in a position because the bullpen is in shambles now. So if you if you can avoid having to use as many bullpen arms at all costs, you're going to have a chance just uh, trying to avoid it altogether because I don't think it's going to have a magic turnaround this weekend also hit early and often Alabama's bullpen isn't that great either I think I think the the teams that end up winning this series the team that ends up winning the series is the team that ends up bouncing the other starter quicker that that's what it's going to come down to on the other side of this right we got Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer joining us on on the line stay tuned for that conversation we'll be back in just a moment
0: Stay on the line. More of the show when we come back.
1: You're on the line with Noah Gardner and Lance Dawn, on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Also on the line with us we got Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer with us. Justin how you doing today my man? I'm all right how are y'all? We are doing great on this overcast Thursday but I'm hoping the clouds begin to clear up just a little bit we got some good high school baseball coming up as well and uh just love love good high school sports I'm tired of the weather the spring just gets in the way of it so many times with rain but we've also got good college football action this Saturday a lot of spring games going on this Saturday and there is some rain in the southeast so hopefully it clears up for that as well talking about Auburn football here with you so many things to go through with you about this but let's start with our 8A depth chart series that we've been going through this week and we have been examining the safety position today how do you expect the starters to shake out at both safety spots when 8 day rolls around on Saturday
3: yeah right now it's it's looking like it's going to be smoke Monday and Ladarius Tennyson back there at safety Auburn doesn't have a ton of safeties on the roster right now especially not healthy ones uh, but moving Tennyson back from nickel to safety not only created a cornerback spot opening uh the you know via the Nehemiah Pritchett move to the inside. Uh, and Tennyson's done a really good job this spring of really forming a, a good connection over the top of the defense with uh, with Smoke Monday. It was a position he played a lot in high school. Uh, so getting back there to more of his, his natural uh, uh, spot, I think, is going to be you know, pretty big for them. Uh, and then you also have to you know, keep an eye on a guy like Chris Thompson Jr., see how he shakes out there at safety moving forward for Auburn. But, yeah, at the moment – Uh, You know, a lot of Auburn fans should expect that Monday and Tennyson pairing to be the one not only uh, at the end of the uh, during a day, but I think that's going to be the one heading into the fall.
1: In what ways do you think the safety position will change under Derek Mason in comparison to how Auburn used it under Kevin Steele?
3: Actually, I think safety might be the one position group that doesn't change doesn't change a ton from what we had under. Uh, what well, we saw a lot under um, Kevin Steele, and it's because they both had similar philosophies on how they wanted to use safeties, um, and, and basically the the MO back there with the versatility is, you know, make sure that either safety can play any either role, um, you know, be, be versatile, be able to do some of everything, whether you're the quote-unquote free safety or the strong safety in the formation, you see them going back and forth, and I think that's what they're going to want to do this year, and that's what they did with under Kevin Steele. That was a lot of what uh, uh what they did with uh Swim Monday and Jamie Sherwood, and you can go back to Daniel Thomas and Trey Matthews and a lot of a lot of safeties you know under Kevin Steele kind of ran that, it's that you wouldn't need to be able to do everything that's a necessity in this defense, but for the safeties of the position, especially for a guy like Smoke Monday, it's something you're already really used to. Uh, that you can kind of you know move around back there uh, depending on the situation depending on the play call and i think that's going to be something that there's a lot of new to this auburn defense uh you know this this year but i think that that versatility of the safety spot is going to be something that that continues
2: speaking of some new players that are being added to this defense uh this season amari harvey i want to get your thoughts on him what do you see from him throughout this spring camp so far and how often do you expect for us to see him on a day
3: yeah, Mario Harvey's an interesting case because he has been wearing that yellow uh, non-contact contact, uh, jersey in practice, uh, picked up a you know slight injury and actually opened camp uh, with that, uh, something he had over, over the winter. Um, so, you know, he hasn't been, you know, the the first few weeks of strength practices, he had not been doing a ton in terms of, um, you know, full contact work just because um, they're wanting to kind of protect him at this point. So uh, I'll be curious to see if they hold him out tomorrow, if he's, or they feel like he's ready to go enough. To to get it going. But this is a really talented player. Um, He reminds me uh, a lot of kind of Chris Thompson Jr. when Albert picked him up. Very physical safety, uh, likes to run and hit hard um, over the top of that defense. I think he's going to be able to learn a lot behind smoke. Um, I think Ladarius Tennyson, you you can kind of bottle your game after kind of what they want to do. And yeah, if he can end up being a guy that plays a decent bit or or gets in the rotation, I should say, as that kind of second string safety with Chris Thompson. Not only do I think Auburn's got a strong safety uh, duo for this year, uh, but I think they'll they'll be set up for years to come if Harvey can continue to to progress like he did as an early relief.
1: With two days until a day, what are some things that people should keep their eyes on during the ball game?
3: Yeah, I mean, I think stick to the defensive theme. Um, we know that Colby Wooden and Tyron Truesdale are kind of you know not locked in as starters, but you know your top two defensive linemen. Who's that third one going to be in that base three man front that they want to run? Uh, Marquise Burks did a really good job of kind of picking up uh, a, a lot more opportunities. Um, somebody had a step up, was Jeremiah Wright in the first half. Of camp was the one that was really, really doing well. I think uh, Marquise Burks has been a one that's done a lot. Dre Butler, you can't forget about him. He's so versatile and kind of move anywhere. Zacharius Walker uh, has also gotten a lot of praise uh, here in camp as well. And then some of those young guys, uh, J- uh, Jay Hardy, Lee Hunter, uh, you know, they they're very versatile and kind of move around. So I keep an eye on them. And then the other one is uh, the edge positions. You know, you're going to see a new philosophy on how Auburn uses their edge players. It's not just defensive ends anymore. Um, it's more of these outside linebacker types, um, you know, kind of a rush in and a stud end as they like to go back and forth. Versatility there is going to be big. You're going to want, you know, those edge guys to be able to drop back into coverage uh, as, as much as, you know, be able to go after the quarterback. And Derek Hall is the leader at that group, but who, who's, who's across from Who's Who's going to be the guy who steps up and uh, and takes advantage of these opportunities. Because right now we've seen T.D. Moultrie, we've seen Jaron Handy, seen a little bit of Caleb Johnson and uh, Romel Height uh, this spring. Uh, but that group's going to get deeper uh, after spring practice because Dylan Brooks comes in from Hanley, and uh, that might be where Auburn ends up putting Neko Leota, uh, the transfer from Northwestern, it will be either there or the defensive end position. So very curious to see who makes the most of their opportunities on Saturday. Uh, Because people want to see the pass rush. They want to see Auburn get more sacked. They want to see him step up in that regard. So I'm curious to see who that tag team partner, so to speak, will be with with, uh, Derek Hall at the edge position.
1: Speaking with Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer here on the Thursday edition of On the Line, as we do every Thursday, switching over to basketball now. Of course, Auburn basketball had a big win earlier this week. Walker Kessler announcing his decision to transfer to Auburn. How will the big man affect the roster next season? I know that's a loaded question, but uh, to, take your best shot at it.
3: Yeah, so Walker Kessler. I mean, you can't can't underestimate. I you can't overestimate. I should say how big of an impact he's going to have for Auburn because this is the number two uh, player you've ever signed in terms of talent coming out of high school. Um, Jabari Smith at number one. Got to remember when Auburn signed Chief Cooper and J.T. Thor in the class of 2020 out of the state of Georgia. They were the number two and number three players in the state. Number one was Walker Kessler. Auburn has not had a guy like this in a very long time, um, maybe if ever. Just kind of the modern center. Uh, he's seven one, very efficient around the rim, excellent rebounder. His rebounding numbers were off the charts from a percentage perspective in North Carolina. Really good rim protector, great defender uh, in his own right. Created a lot of steals for someone his size here in his time at North Carolina, and uh, he's got a little bit of range. Uh, he will step outside and shoot it. He's got a decent mid range. Um, Pretty good passer as well from the five spot. So I think he's a perfect fit for what Auburn wants to do with their big men. And moving forward, it's going to be very curious to see how they line it all up because you bring in Jabari Smith, you bring in uh, Walker Kessler, but you have Jalen Williams coming back, and he was probably your best player uh, from beginning to end of that season last year with Sharif's uh, injury and was out as long as he was. Um, you know, you still have Dylan Carwell. You still have Tre and bullis So that front court picture could get really, really uh, tough to manage in terms of who gets what minutes. And, oh, by the way, JT Thor could come back still uh, from the NBA draft. So, you know, there, there's a lot of uh, question marks on how much these guys will play and how they'll sort it all out. Uh, but the bottom line is Auburn went out and got Walker Kessler not just because um, he is a really – Really talented player um, that they had already recruited before he went to North Carolina, but secondly, he's a player that you know Auburn hasn't had a uh, you know, type of player that like they haven't had, like I said, maybe ever. And you pair that in the front court with a guy like Jabari Smith, I mean, your two most talented players in your moder- in the modern recruiting era that Auburn's ever signed could be your starting front court next season, and that actually get Auburn fans really really excited about the future.
1: This may be a much tougher question to answer, especially with where we're at right now. And then, you know, Desi Seals yesterday uh-huh. putting a post up on Instagram and then deleting it. And Auburn still maybe in the running for Ty Ty Washington. Of course, there's also Scoot Henderson. But with all that being said, there's one scholarship available. What's your prediction uh, as to what happens with it?
3: Yeah, I think, you know, either, you know, even if JT Thor doesn't come back and you get that extra spot, Auburn needs another guard um, guy who can play the two. I think they could. Really use that boost. I mean, Trey Alexander is going to be really, really good. I think he's going to be a fantastic freshman for Auburn next season. Oh, but you need some more depth because right now it's kind of Devin Cambridge and uh, you know Allen Flanagan, at the two and three. You brought in Zepp Jasper. You're bringing in Trey Alexander. And I think they need another two, three, just a wing, probably who could shoot. Um, you know, an outside shooter would be a good pickup for Auburn if it's a guy like Desi Sills. And you know, if the situation arises where Ty-Ty Washington is in the mix, or, you, or Scoot Henderson's thinking about reclassifying. Those guys are point guards. You're going to want the ball in their hands. But I think both of those guys, uh, if push came to shove, you could play them at the two because they have pretty good size six three six four. Both of them are really good shooters, really good scorers, and uh, in the case, especially of Scoot Henderson, uh, really good at driving to the basket and playing above the rim. So can be more of that kind of two guard mold that we've seen out of Bruce Pearl. Even if they're not the lead point guard with what you have with with Wendell Green, so it's going to be very very interesting to see how they, it all shakes out. But I think I would be very very surprised um, if Auburn doesn't you know whether Thor comes back or not that uh, they pick up a guard here down the stretch of uh, of the of, of the spring or into the summer and you know kind of hits hits the true off season um, you know with a pretty full and deep roster.
1: Last question here for you before we let you get out of here. Speaking with Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer, it was announced today that USC received probation, but no postseason ban from the NCAA as a result of their investigation, that probe and the corruption of college basketball back in 2017. How does this relate to Auburn in your eyes, and when do you think we are going to know Auburn's fate?
3: (laughs) Well, I mean, I think that second question, I think nobody really knows, especially the people at Auburn. I think it's the NCAA and just how – you know, kind of uh, imbalance they've been in the past with it. But I do think the USC decision, much like uh, there was another one rather recently. South Carolina. Like, I don't want school? Yeah, South Carolina. Thank you. Um, I think that's good news for Auburn, just the fact that they didn't get postseason bans. Auburn put their own up up there, which I think is a, is a very good sign, um, you know, to prevent having one of those in the past. I wouldn't be surprised if they got a slap on the wrist, maybe if you dock them a scholarship or something like that uh, as the end of it which isn't, again, the end of the world because in college basketball, it's hard to play 13 guys that you have on scholarship each season. Um, So, you know, that would kind of be the thing I would think most would happen. Uh, You know, seeing what happened at Auburn compared to some of these other places, I think USC is a pretty good analog for it. Um, You know, I I think Auburn fans who might be worried that they'll have another season where they aren't allowed to go to the postseason – I think that's a little bit of a farther uh, stretch right now, uh, just because of the way they've handled this uh, for the last few years.
1: Justin, I appreciate you taking the time to hop on the show with us today. Tell everybody where they can find the great content you're putting out and how they can subscribe to it. Yeah,
3: right. com, six dollars a month or six dollars a year. Uh, this week, any new subscriptions? Uh, we're raising money for uh, the uh, for the EDSVS Charity Bowl online, uh, which goes to a refugee organization uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. So. Um, you know, if you, it's a good time to sign up if you if you've been on the fence uh, because all your money is going to go to a really good cause. Uh, and yeah, six dollars a month or sixty dollars a year gets you a few stories and a couple of podcasts each week about Auburn football and men's basketball, and we send them straight to your email inbox. So sign up there and uh, yeah, uh, follow me on Twitter, J Ferguson AU.
1: Appreciate it, my man. I hope you have a good afternoon and a good weekend.
3: All right, y'all be good. Thank you.
1: That was Justin Ferguson of the Auburn Observer joining us on the line. We wrap up our number one of the show on the other side of this break. Wrapping up our number one of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Let's head to the phone lines now. Joining us on the line, we got Travis with us. Travis, how you doing today, buddy?
4: Going on, guys. How are y'all?
1: We're doing really well, doing really well. Working for the weekend because uh, you got a football game this weekend. You just hope it doesn't rain, right?
4: Yeah, uh, I wanted to ask about Levi first and ask how he's doing.
1: He's doing a lot better. He's doing a lot better. Uh, I actually got to see him this weekend, in person, which is good, and um, could be back as soon as next week. Still working through a little bit of things with that logistically, uh, figuring out how to get him here. But uh, he, he's definitely he's doing a lot better than, than he was doing. But um, we're, we're still wishing him a, a speedy recovery.
4: Yeah, make sure he knows that we're thinking about him. We miss him, but uh, yeah, I'm you know calling on Thursday because me and my son Patrick, who's actually named after Pat Dye, we uh we're heading to God's country tomorrow for the day to take in some sights and stay the weekend for the game. Um, we don't get to go to too many during the season, but uh, we we always make a day kind of kind of a, a father son deal. Um, and and you know I what I'm looking for tomorrow is all offensively because I'm not near as worried about Derek Mason as I am Mike Bobo. I don't think Bobo's really been relevant since two thousand twelve at Georgia. And uh, and so I'm looking at the offense as a whole, more you know, more specifically, who's gonna block with Brandon Council being out and, you know, who's gonna catch the ball from Bo Nix? Can y'all provide any insight on who's who's gonna who's gonna be the starting five offensive linemen running with the ones and who's gonna be the big time receivers we have to look forward to this year.
1: Unfortunately, a lot of Auburn folks don't want to hear what I'm about to say, but I think the starting five of the offensive line is going to be the exact same starting five that you had last year, with the exception of Council, who's hurt. And I think you see Keandre Jones slot in at right guard. That, that, that's just what we've heard all spring. But then again, after they had their spring break off a week ago, there hasn't really been a whole lot of conversation about the offensive line. And I would imagine that's when we would have seen a lot of rotation there. So. Could be wrong there. The offensive line's a mystery. We really haven't been able to get a lot of information out of anything going on inside the program. It seems like this this staff's been even more, uh, even more locked down on info than, than the previous regime, but I, I would be willing to bet that it's the same offensive line as last year. And then the receivers, Kobe Hudson's the big name I'd watch out for alongside Elijah Canyon, but how long do they play considering those two guys are going to be starters? That's the big thing. Maybe Kalen Newton has a big day considering he'll be playing for a long time. You know, because you're going to see the backups more than the starters. And, and I imagine we leave the 8 day game tomorrow with some spring fling or, or the 8 day game on Saturday, for that matter. I, I believe we probably leave with some spring fling with a receiver who tears it up, has a big game, but it, it isn't going to be a factor when the regular season rolls around. Maybe Javarius Johnson's another guy like that. But uh, because they're going to play longer than, than the main guys. Right.
4: Yeah, and, uh, you know, I think Auburn's got some good players on the defensive line, but I don't think there's any world beaters. So, If you see Bo or Demetrius Davis or whoever getting pressured, you know I think that could be a a bad sign for Auburn. But no, I was listening to the show on Tuesday and you said Auburn would be eight and four at worst. I, you know, I I just I have a hard time convincing myself of that. I think eight and four might be the ceiling for this team because as good as Auburn's personnel might be on the defense side of the ball. In this day and age, in college, you got to score points to win, and, and you know I think teams are really going to rely or focus on shutting down the run, shutting down tank. And I mean, you got to think there's seven games next year where Auburn may be at a coaching disadvantage. Coaching still matters, and especially in the SEC. And so, have you thought about that more? Or are, are you are you truly confident in that eight and four could be the the floor for this Auburn football team next year?
1: I'm still banging that drum, and a big part of that is I look back at last year's schedule. And if you take out the games that were added to Auburn's schedule last year, Auburn finishes eight and four. Even if they go three and one in the non-conference and they lose to North Carolina, you look at the SEC teams that they were going to play last year. All of the wins, they beat Kentucky, they beat Arkansas, they beat Ole Miss, they beat LSU, and then they beat Mississippi State. So there's five wins right there in sec play if they even go three and one in non-conference play and beat all the cupcakes they go eight and four last year and i look at the schedule for this season and i see a similar i see a similar schedule even if they go three and one in non-conference play i still think that they should beat arkansas old miss mississippi state south carolina there's four right there and then if they split against lsu and texas a&m who both have a litany of issues Coming into this season, if they split even against those two teams, they go eight and four. So I'm kind of like hedging my bets more on that. This schedule's easier, and Auburn's got a ton of experience. They're one of few teams in the league that actually bring back a quarterback. I think Auburn wins in Baton Rouge this year. I think Auburn could beat A&M and LSU both. When when I'm talking about a ceiling for this team. If things went perfectly and it was like a magical year, maybe they win nine or ten games, you know, and just lose to Jordan and Alabama. But I'm with you. I don't think that happens. No team ever wins all of their 50-50 games, especially Auburn. So I, I'm more hedging this on the fact that I'm expecting Auburn to do what they did last year and beat the inferior teams in the SEC and then drop the ones that that they should lose.
4: Right. Yeah, I'd love to get a little bit of what you're smoking over there, <laughs> but
1: uh, it yeah, happened yeah, last I mean, year, though. I,
4: what, with the, with the first year coaching staff, that's my biggest thing because Gus right. knew how to prepare these teams. He knew what these teams brought to the table. The last game that Brian Harson coached was in Boise State against a group of five school. And so it, I think it's going to take them at least a full year, even though he's got guys like Derek Mason and Mike Bobo that have been in the conference before. I think as a head guy, with him calling all the shots, it's going to take him. You know, more than just four or five games to really settle in and get a feel for the conference and the speed and the athleticism that these teams are going to play. Because, I mean, you got guys like like Ole Miss, and I know y'all talked about Arkansas being a trap game. That's a huge trap game. That Georgia's an emotional game, and especially if you get beat pretty bad in that, you can be down in the dumps and Arkansas can sneak up and beat you.
1: Yeah, and that's a big reason why we listed that as a trap game, especially if, like you said, you start out 0-2 in SEC play. And like you said, if you're down in the dumps, they, they're they going to be angry and they're going to want to avenge last year's loss. My big thing is Malzahn had one year of head coaching experience. But like you said, though, he did have experience in the SEC and that could end up being a big difference between Malzahn's first year and Brian Harsin's first year. But Brian Harson on the other side of things, I, I, like, I like the guy's approach to the game for the fact that he's been a head coach for eight years already. But Travis, we got to head to our break that ends the hour number one of the show. We appreciate you calling in, buddy. I hope you enjoy your weekend.
4: Yes,
1: sir. War Eagle, guys. That was Travis on the line with us. And we got hour number two on the other side of this break. Stay with us. Back in just a moment.
0: You are on the line. Live on Fox Sports Central Alabama on 98.3 FM in Birmingham and Sylacauga and in Auburn and Opelika on ESPN 106.7. Listen online at foxsports983.com or espnau.com. You are on the line with Noah Gardner and Levi Fitzwater. Join the show by calling 334-321-1390 or toll free at 888-382-7502.
1: Hour number two of On the Line. Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. Follow Fox Sports Central Alabama on Facebook to keep up with the latest going on in sports. On the Line, The Drive with Bill Cameron, Analysis News and more, all on Fox Sports Central Alabama on FoxSports983.com and on Facebook. That's FoxSports983.com. Big thank you to Travis who called in in our previous segment. I love that conversation. and I love that people want to talk with me about that and the fact that I'm banging the drum on Auburn's floor this upcoming year I'm saying Auburn will at least go eight and four this upcoming season I'm willing to say that and stick my neck out on that because I believe this team is that talented and we'll continue to talk about that prediction all throughout the offseason and then getting ready for the regular season maybe I could generate some optimism in the Auburn fan base because just because there was a coaching change I don't believe this team got worse but maybe Maybe the coaching change does affect some things in some of those 50-50 games. But we'll see. I'm very high up on this coaching staff's knowledge of the game of football and their vision. Maybe I'm just drinking the Kool-Aid. But once again, thank you to Travis. And you can call in as well. Phone lines are open, 334-321-1390. We want to hear from you. Once again, 334-321-1390. Head Justin Ferguson on as well in our number one. If you missed that conversation, go and find the podcast wherever you get your podcast starting off hour number two the same way we started off hour number one but a different position we're doing our 8a depth chart series talking about the safeties we've already ran through one side of the safety position with smoke monday and amari harvey at what we would call the free safety spot but on the auburn depth chart there will be no differentiation between the two safety positions they're pretty much going to do the same thing now we're moving to the spot where auburn lost jamie and Sherwood, what would be most notably called the strong safety position if it was called something the strong safety spot at the Auburn defensive backfield now having to replace Jamie Sherwood who is your top guy at the strong safety position Lance so I've kind of waffled back and forth between these two guys kind of debating between
2: Chris Thompson Jr. and Ladarius Tennyson and you and I have opposite views on this and I, I would like for you to kind of like pull me into your boat here because I understand where you're coming from there's room but I have a really hard time putting Ladarius Tennyson over Chris Thompson simply because Ladarius that's not his natural position he just played so much of nickel behind tut last season and I just think and Thompson even, has
1: more experience on him at safety
2: and I understand that Tennyson did get to play last year probably more than Thompson as far as just overall playing time goes and his, his numbers reflect that is so there way you can find that in terms of snaps I'm not I probably could I could probably look at SEC StatCat. it'd probably take me a hot minute but just looking at tackles you know PFF might have it as well pro football focus might have as well I can take a look at that in just a little bit. but Tennyson had 21 tackles Chris Thompson at eight they both appeared I believe in the same amount of games. Um, as far as snaps I'm not really sure where that's at again I'd have to take a look at it. but Tennyson I just I don't see I, I understand Mason is hyping him up as a safety I understand the website has him at safety. I just don't see him overtaking Chris Thompson consistently at that position because i just see him more as a nickelback because that's just where i've watched him play
1: that's fine ignore the facts ignore the facts (laughs) and say that he's playing the same position as an early 2000s rock band fine go go ahead (laughs) Uh, which is a good rock band at that that might be my hottest take of the show because everybody likes to everybody likes to hate on nickelback and I don't know why. I-, I like it. It's good music.
2: I just like doing it because everybody else thinks it's funny. And it's just, like, really funny whenever I see someone else hating on Nickelback. It's just entertaining. Although I don't dislike their music. They have some exactly. really good stuff. So why are
1: you hating on them?
2: I don't know. It's just more, you, it's more of a meme. I do. It, I listen <laughs> to their music a- every now and then. But whenever it comes to just, like, just them in general, I'll just, just make fun of them because it's just
1: funny. Another figure like that. It seems like a lot of people like to make fun of Guy Fieri, but, like... The dude, the dude does a lot of good, it seems. He, he, he I've gives, never disliked Guy Fieri. He, he gives restaurants free publicity on his TV shows. I like his TV shows. All, all, all the, the the guy's got frosted tips and he likes food. The only, on. the
2: only problem is I can never watch a Food Network show or like Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, the show that he does. I can never watch it without eating myself. I just can't do it. What about Guy's grocery games? Oh, I can't wa- I can't watch that without food either. I got to be able to eat while watching other people make food and eat.
1: I watch guys' grocery games. It's a pretty good show. It's pretty good show. Pretty good actually. show. I like it. Food I Network's do. got some good stuff, y'all. I like to cook. Sometimes uh, my <laughs> wife just texted me, so I know she's listening to the show, and she is calling me out right now. She's like, "No way, you do not like to cook. Uh, you don't. I, I like to cook some things from scratch. Uh, I feel like I'm cheating if I'm if I'm microwaving something." Yeah, she just lol. She also said that she likes both of those things, Nickelback and Guy Fieri. Maybe that's why we're married. Maybe we're married out of that common interest, maybe. (laughs) I don't know. But talking about the strong safety position for Auburn football, you're not in the Tennyson boat. I am. And maybe you're just ignoring the facts at the moment. But he's listed as a safety, so he's not playing Nickelback. If he was going to play Nickelback, he would be a cornerback. All right, He would be, plain and simple. So I don't think that we see him really hardly there at all. I think it's more likely that you see Jalen Simpson and EMI Pritchett and some other quarterbacks end up there, maybe Dreshawn Miller. Other guys are going to rotate in and around that nickelback position. Uh, you could see rotation for cornerbacks falling around. They could be given a specific man-to-man matchup, the cornerback position could, and you could see corners rotate in and around all season long throughout that spot. I don't even know if that's hammered down going into the going into the A-Day games. So there's a lot to learn about the nickelback position in itself on Saturday alone when you're watching that and how the cornerback position is affected by it but the safety spot I think Tennyson is there Derek Mason speaks highly of him I'm in the camp that doesn't see him playing the nickel whatsoever he looked lost at times in the nickel last year I felt like who did it though so that's not me blaming Tennyson that's just I think the scheme failed him he's listed as a safety once again on the website if he was listed at cornerback I would definitely think differently here but this coaching staff appears to be really high up on the guy. The players seem to be really high up on the guy. They all think this dude's going to be legit one day. For me, that puts him ahead of Chris Thompson Jr., but both of these guys are going to offer more in coverage and mobility than their predecessor, Jamie and Sherwood. Whoever's playing there, I think they will offer more in coverage than Jamie and Sherwood did, and that is going to help out this Auburn defense a lot in terms of not getting the top blown off of the defense. But with that being said, I'll go to my number two here. Since you and I are discussing Tennyson versus Thompson, because those are our one and twos here, I will go ahead and talk about Chris Thompson Jr. He's my two. I think we see a trio of Monday, Tennyson, and Chris Thompson Jr. play all season long. We will see those three guys more than anybody else. The next most likely guy to get on the field is Amari Harvey, and he is also at the bottom of my strong safety position, but Chris Thompson Jr., he played in more than half of last season's games. You said he played in six games, right? Yes, sir. So he's got experience. There's not a whole lot of depth at the safety position, at least in terms of experience and quality depth at that, I think you would say. Auburn obviously went out and got several safeties in this 2021 recruiting class because there were several guys that just cropped up in the weeks leading up to signing day. Jawan Gasson's a guy that comes to mind. There's some other players from the state of Alabama that Auburn's bringing in as well at the safety position that are freshmen that aren't on campus yet. But Amari Harvey was the highest rated of those guys. And Chris Thompson Jr. has more experience than Harvey. He has more experience in the scheme, more knowledgeable. That puts him ahead of Harvey for me. So I think you see Monday, Tennyson, and Thompson Jr. all rotating around that defensive backfield in some form or fashion. And they're all going to be playing. Monday probably won't be taken off the field hardly at all. But you'll see Tennyson and Thompson Jr. share a lot of snaps at that safety position at the strong safety spot. I suspect that there is a bit of a position battle here, though, between these two players because some folks out there see Chris Thompson Jr. being a player, a major player at this spot. Other people are saying Tennyson, just based off of what the coaching staff had to say about Tennyson. This seems to be a bit of a position battle. A-Day game just very well may be the start of things for it, and this may continue into the fall, and then we'll get the depth chart. I I wouldn't be shocked if the depth chart, when the regular season rolls around, and we're going into Week 1, and they release a depth chart for Auburn playing against... Who's the opener against again? I believe Akron.
2: it's a, a- Akron. Yeah,
1: yeah. I, I wouldn't be shocked when the depth chart is released for the Akron game if there's not an oar at this at this safety position. And
2: we all know how Auburn fans just love those oars in the depth chart. Um, I, I I agree with you, and I think it, position battles. I think that's a healthy thing. I think it is especially for the uh, safety position, just outside of Smoke Monday for a unit that gave up 242 yards passing last season. I think the the only way that you can go is up as far as an Auburn football defensive unit we haven't seen something as poor as what Auburn put on the field last year in, in maybe five or six years uh, it's definitely since Steele has been here we've not seen something at that I won't say egregious just not just not Auburn caliber football defense it's just not what we're used to seeing I think the only way we can go is up from here I don't think the defense gets worse and I think these guys like you mentioned are more versatile than Jamie and Sherwood and they bring a lot of things to the table and I think this unit is going to get better and it's just going to be a competition like you said I think we're going to see at the beginning of the Akron game I think we're going to see at that depth chart I think we're going to see oars for Chris Thompson and and Ladarius Tennyson and then I think we'll see them split snaps for those first one or two games to kind of get a feel as who 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 played more efficiently in that spot I think I think right now just based off of uh, the conversation that we're having I think it's going to be Tennyson because I'm pulling
1: you into my boat yeah
2: right (laughs) think about I'm thinking about it this way Chris Thompson has the most experience at the safety position outside of Smoke Monday that is returning for the Tigers this season Derek Mason is now switching Tennyson over to safety and saying that he is excelling what does that say about Chris Thompson's playability what does I don't that think hit?
1: it means he's playing bad, I don't but think, I think it means that he's been possibly more impressed by Tennyson. Right. I was about to say, Thompson's
2: still a very versatile, talented athlete. He's just so impressed with Tennyson that he is the better fit at the moment in his mind for that safety position. Now, we're still going to see a battle. We're still going to see these guys go at it in camp, and I'm really excited to see that again. I think it's very healthy, but as of right now, you've switched me over. I think Tennyson is going to get the nod,
1: at least for this moment. The other question, or not question, I should say statement here. The other statement that I want to make about this new coaching staff is they're moving guys from position to position right now. This coaching staff came in, moved Devin Barrett back to running back, right? switched J.J. Pegues from one side of the ball to the other, said, you're not playing tight end anymore. You're playing defensive line, defensive tackle. They moved J.J. Pegues to the other side of the ball. They moved Javarius Johnson from outside receiver to the slot. They moved Tennyson from the nickel to the safety position. They moved some of the cornerbacks around as well from their positions or or where they were parked at in the cornerback depth chart at their various locations where cornerbacks line up, whether it's on the outside or the inside. They have made multiple movements in terms of position changes. We've seen guys move from edge to linebacker or buck to linebacker. We've seen guys move all over the place. This coaching staff obviously, with many different players, disagreed with how they were being used or maybe just the new scheme, is making them have to move from spot to spot. And so it tells me a lot that Tennyson moved to safety and is being talked about highly by Derek Mason because that tells me that Mason sees him as a much better fit at that safety spot. And he's really probably not taking into account too much of what he saw last year out of him at cornerback in the nickel. I'm going to speculate
2: here for a moment, but I'm not. whenever I say hey, this, it's I, don't, spring. Speculate. I don't think this is going to happen, but I'm going to speculate here for a moment. Malzahn, as we talked about, was very keen on moving guys around and moving them to different positions, particularly whenever he realized that they probably weren't going to get playing time. I, I, I think I think that's just kind of how it went. With this new coaching staff, it looks like they're moving guys into their more natural position and they're going to be better fits. Last year, whenever Auburn played Ole Miss, Connor O'Gara of Saturday Down South actually asked Lane Kiffin before the game about J.J. Piggies, and Lane Kiffin actually said he would be a top five pick if he was playing three technique and if he was playing defensive line. Harson has now switched Piggies over to defensive line, so that's another SEC coach that believes that Piggies would flourish on the defensive line if he got a chance to play there. So I think this new coaching staff is bringing these guys into their more natural position, and they are going to improve, and I think that's a very good thing for Auburn moving forward, putting guys where they need to be.
1: I also think Malzahn moved guys from position to position, as you just said, to try and make sure that they could get some playing time because you wanted to find a way to get them on the field. Partially, I think he did that to try and keep guys happy. Well, guess what? The transfer rules changed. And we're going to be talking about that later on in the show. But I think now it's virtually impossible to keep everybody happy. The new transfer rules have made it impossible. If you're not playing... You're gone. You can leave and you can go and get without... Without repercussions, without having to sit out, you get one shot at this without having to sit out, and you become immediately eligible. If you're not happy with your spot, you can instantly leave and go somewhere else where somebody will take you and where somebody will need you because of depth reasons, having to reload, whatever it may be. So I think now coaches possibly, maybe they shouldn't even try to make guys happy. Maybe they shouldn't even try. Just play your best. Just play your best. And then you know that somebody else out there is going to be available for you. It used to be difficult to get someone to transfer to you. But now there's going to be free agency. Now you are going to get to look in the transfer portal, and you're going to be able to see a nice helping of players out there that can come and help you out, that can come into your, that can come into your program that you can go and recruit. And so maybe coaches shouldn't be as afraid of guys leaving as maybe they seem to be at the moment because just as easily they should be able to go out and recruit that's and right. bringing guys to help them right. so why would you be worried about losing a death piece
2: there are definitely two different sides to this argument and i'm really excited to get to talk about it later as far as parity goes in both college football and basketball because there are a lot of different things that you got to be able to take into account as far as this one-time transfer rule go- goes because i think it's going to weaken group of five teams in the end but there's a long road to get to that and we'll talk about that later
1: usc basketball given probation by the ncaa but they avoid a postseason ban lucky is this a good thing for auburn basketball we talk about it on the other side of this break also phone lines are open 334-321-1390 we want to hear from you anything on your mind a day game anything auburn related baseball's got a big series against alabama the iron ball headed to the baseball diamond we still have a pack show for you guys 45 minutes left in it we're just getting started Back on On the Line, Noah Gardner, and Lance Dawk with you on ESPN 1067 and on Fox Sports Central, Alabama. 319 here on On the Line. Coming up at 4, you got the drive with Bill Cameron, Dan Peck. They'll take your calls, just like they do every day. We'll take your calls as well. 334 321 1390. Whatever's on your mind. We'll talk to you about it, Auburn-related. Anything in the sports world, we want to talk with you about it, whatever is on your mind. Keep up with all the content the show is putting out on RadioAlabamaSports.net and on the Radio Alabama Sports Facebook page. Follow it on Twitter as well at Radio AL Sports. Between collegiate and high school sports content, we've got you covered. Once again, that's RadioAlabamaSports.net. We're also airing live on Facebook. You can watch the show every day on Facebook on Radio Alabama Sports, Fox Sports Central Alabama, and ESPN 1067 which is also where you can find all the great content that we're putting out i mean we got articles up today alabama articles auburn articles about the baseball series this upcoming weekend or starting tonight rather uh, on 6 p.m sec network this a big series for auburn who has fallen to 1-11 at sec play we'll give you our predictions on that coming up in our last segment of the show today so stay tuned for that as well i tease this going into the break usc men's basketball program has been put on two years probation as a result of former assistant coach Tony Bland accepting bribes to steer players to certain business managers and financial advisors once they turned pro. USC fined $5,000 plus 1% of the men's basketball program budget, and the NCAA accepted previous recruiting restrictions that were self-imposed by the university. USC dodging a postseason ban, and you know that this is pretty much like they're I mean they're home free now
2: I mean this is the definition of a slap on the wrist I mean it's nothing so don't nothing. do it again don't, don't do, do it, it again in, hey bad but don't what do does this mean for Auburn um so we were talking about this earlier and I I my initial gut reaction was like well this kind of puts under uh, Auburn under the radar as far as where the NCAA is looking right and then you and I got to discuss well how does this reflect as far as Auburn's case goes it just depends on where they fall on the spectrum right, right?
1: like of Oklahoma discipline. State got a postseason ban right and they appealed theirs and that's how they and they appealed it like right before the the season started or whatever I, I can't remember when they appealed it but the appeal was even continuing into March this year and because the appeal process was going on Oklahoma State with considerably one of their most talented teams that they've had in the last 10 years got to play in the postseason they played in the NCAA tournament and I think Oklahoma State would now be like well kid Cunningham's gone yeah we're go fine yeah, yeah go ahead give it to us you know they, they at least got to play this year but Oklahoma State was Possibly on the more dangerous of the notice of allegations level in terms of what happened in this corruption scandal in college basketball. It just depends on where the NCAA views Auburn on the spectrum. And we don't have enough information available publicly to be able to know. Like, it's believed, you know, that that, or, or it was written several years ago, two years ago, I believe, back in 2019, it was written that Auburn expected to get a notice of allegations, but those notice of allegations were never were reported publicly. We don't know anything about that, right. We don't know. And so and nobody knows. But if there is, we don't know to what degree that those notice of allegations, you know we don't know what those allegations, to what degree they are. If it's if all that is around the Auburn program is what you know already about Chuck person, then I would say that Auburn is more more closely aligned with USC and South Carolina on the spectrum of discipline. Could evade a postseason ban and just get what has previously been accepted that Auburn, you know, used as a self imposed postseason ban this year. What restrictions they self imposed on them this season could be used as, you know, slap on the wrist, and then you get. Couple years of probation, which basically means that the NCAA is watching you.
2: I agree. I think. I think it is going to to play out like that. I don't see Auburn giving themselves a postseason ban, and the NCAA not accepting it if they didn't give USC a postseason ban. Period. I think they're I think that I think they're going to accept that unless
1: things are really really bad
2: which again that we, we don't know we anything just, about we don't know about there's and not, I'm not been, just saying
1: that I really don't know
2: there, there's just not been anything that's been said publicly and so we're just speculating as far as concerned because there definitely is a degree of discipline that the NCAA can dish out both in the USC in the in the Louisville case in the Oklahoma State case uh, but I believe it's going to be more minor I think that's going to be some minor charges and the NCAA is probably going to find Auburn a little bit I don't know if they're necessarily going to be taking away scholarships or anything like that or they're going to be sitting players out I don't see why they would but I think it's going to be minor I just don't see a postseason ban coming and part of that belief is because I just don't want it to happen because this (laughs) is building up to be one of if not the best team that Auburn has ever had in program history
1: you know and maybe you see Auburn do what Oklahoma State did and ride it out yeah or or, try to appeal appeal it it and then just try and get into the postseason this year because this could truly be a special team but you know, one, a one-year postseason ban and, and a reduction of one or two scholarships does not decimate the Auburn basketball program. It's no. not the death penalty. It does not decimate it. But it would, I believe, hurt it more to miss the tournament this year than, than to miss it in the future. Absolutely. Because this is such a talented team, and you have sold these recruits on coming and playing at the university. They've amassed the most talented team we have seen from a, from a recruiting rating standpoint. The most talented team that we have seen at once at Auburn University since probably the 80s or ever. The most talented team that we have seen. And it would, it would undermine all that if they, if they don't play the postseason.
2: And not only that, we're getting, we're, I don't want to say anything official. I don't want to get anything confirmed. But we are hearing rumors and murmurs about Scoot Henderson and his potential as far as reclassifying. I don't want to say anything for sure because I don't anything. I don't think anything is set in stone. But there are rumors going around right now. We had not heard anything. For, rumors for, about that for, well, for months well, though. But just based off what I had seen, there there I hadn't seen anything for two or three weeks. Just quiet. Okay. And if anything, had been leaning towards more of well, Scoop maybe potentially not reclassifying, and he probably doesn't. He's not going to sign with Auburn. I'm starting to see it trend more in Auburn's direction. Again, don't want to say anything official, but Auburn's not done yet on the recruiting trail that's all I'm trying to say is Auburn can still go out and get another guy the question is whether or not that's going to be Scoot if it's going to be Ty Ty I don't think it's going to be Ty Ty at this point I think he's going to be going elsewhere
1: I never felt like Auburn was truly in the race for Ty Ty Washington I just think it was in name and the fact that Auburn had recruited him somewhat heavily before he committed to Creighton we do get to see we get we we do get to see his top five this Saturday
2: but still I, I'm on I'm in the same boat as you but my whole point being is even if Scoot doesn't come Auburn still got that extra scholarship spot to do something with and if they can go out and maybe they can get Desi Sills to to kind of come back in, into into the uh, the recruitment process with Auburn maybe we we get him but Auburn needs a shooter right now
1: I don't know if Auburn should go after Desi Sills I, and I didn't say this yesterday but this is my opinion on it I don't know if Auburn should go after Desi Sills because Desi Sills clearly maybe I should say clearly but it appears Desi Sills wants to be the focal point of wherever he's going to play basketball based off of what he's written on social media saying things along the lines that I'm a certified bucket and y'all will see that and then on top of that also saying stuff along the lines of I want to go to a place where Desi can be Desi you know that's That speaks to me more of a player that is looking introspective than at the team as a whole. And Auburn right now has a lot of mouths to feed. And Desi Sills would not be in the top two names of that list. Right. Maybe three, but I think Alan Flanagan's every bit as good of a scorer as he is. If you look at last season... Alan Flanagan was a much better player than Desi Sills, was, Desi Sills was from start to finish.
2: He would be overshadowed immediately by both Jabari Smith and Alan Flanagan. And then you could make arguments for Walker Kessler and
1: Jabari Smith. And then I think you would say Alan Flanagan. I think it's Walker Kessler and Jabari Smith. Boom. That's so, one and two for So Auburn. you
2: believe that Walker Kessler will start and be more productive uh, than, than uh, Sills would potentially at the two?
1: I think Auburn has a big part of recruiting Walker Kessler and why Walker Kessler is coming to Auburn, not returning to Carolina because Carolina wanted to make a push for him to say, Hey, Garrison Brooks is leaving. This is, this is your front court now, right? Like we recruited you to come play here, stay with Tar Heel nation. Auburn's got this guy coming here, but I think because they, they are selling this guy, you are going to be a major, you're going to get to play the game of basketball, the way you want to play the game of basketball. You're not going to be restricted in it. You're going to have a good time doing it. And you're going to be one of the major mouths that we feed. On the offensive side of the ball, so
2: that's three guys right there that would yep. would, would overshadow Sills, and I agree with you. I now You've I, also
1: got a ball dominant point guard as well coming right. to Auburn. Wendell Green Wendell was Green. a ball
2: dominant player at Eastern Kentucky. Shot it took a lot of shots. Uh, just watching his film and something that I'm not necessarily thrilled about is he shot 39% from both the field and from three and that was telling me that tells me he was taking a lot of shots inside the paint and a lot of drives and you see he's really good at it.
1: You have to be an unselfish player to play on this basketball team next year or else there's going to be chemistry issues because there are a lot of there's a lot of alphas on this team. A lot of alphas. Not too many, not too many players that are going to fade into the background now there are some on the bench that are going to be that way of course the entire bench is pretty much going to be secondary to what you're going to see start but in that starting rotation there's a lot of guys that would be an alpha on pretty much any team in the SEC.
2: I think it's what made Jared Harper so special. Is He knew when to turn it on and when to give the ball up to somebody else. He knew in games like Missouri back in 2017 when he was so young when he had to drop four three-pointers in the last six minutes of that game. He knows whenever he's hot, he's going to get the ball and he's going to shoot, but he also knows whenever Auburn's playing teams like North Carolina, Kansas, Tennessee in the SEC tournament, when to dish it out and to give it up to a shooter that's hot. Guys like Chumo Kiki, get it out to the perimeter. That's what made him so special and Green is going to have to be aware of how to do that efficiently this season
1: Auburn's gonna have to figure out how to work together quicker than not because there's a lot of alphas in that room and they're gonna have to find a way to work together or else it could look like Kentucky over the past couple of years oh gracious more of on the line on the other side of this break stay with us here on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama
0: stay on the line more of the show when we come back
1: Halfway through the final hour of On the Line, Noah Gardner and Lance Dahl with you on ESPN 106.7 and on Fox Sports Central Alabama. we got 30 minutes left in today's show. Then it'll be The Drive with Bill Cameron and Dan Pack taking your calls. We're taking your calls also, 334-321-1390. That's how you get through to On the Line. Follow ESPN 106.7 on Facebook and Twitter to keep up with the latest going on at the station. Between the Max Roundtable, On the Line, The Drive with Bill Cameron, there are seven hours of local sports talk radio. That's all on ESPN 106.7. Find the website on ESPNAU.com. We've had a great show today, done our A-Day depth chart series. We've wrapped it up. It's completed. Man, we should have thrown a party. What's wrong with us? We
2: should really clip it together right before A-Day and get
1: the entire depth chart that would be a lot of going back a- man that would be like two months this has oh, been gracious. two months in the in the making and then we're going to get started again before February. fall camp
2: starts it's going to be exciting
1: yeah i think we're gonna do a much more abridged version when we do this again in the fall mm-hmm. or something like that i don't know if we should do it on a week-to-week basis maybe we do it in the uh, across two weeks or something like that maybe we do it all in one show because i don't know that the depth chart is going to change a lot from what we see on a day tomorrow i think our what's going to be fun and i keep saying tomorrow it feels like friday it's thursday Two days from now, A-Day, I think what we see roll out will change very, very, very limited. There will be very limited changes, I feel like, if any at all. But I'm just excited to see it because I want to know where we were right, where we were wrong, and actually know how guys are lining up. It's different hearing about it versus seeing about it. So I am looking forward to A-Day in a couple of days just to be able to check that and know how this team looks because there there's big differences in scheme now from what Auburn was doing a year ago. Under the Gus Malzahn regime, massive differences in scheme between those two coaching staffs on both sides of the ball. I mean, both offense and defense, overhauls on the as, as far as scheme is concerned. Offense is going to look a whole lot more modern, a whole lot more pro style. And then the defense is shifting entirely from a different front. You're moving from the 4-3 to the 3-4. Right. That, that Those are massive changes that it appears this team is handling pretty well, but we won't know for sure until we see them line it up and hit each other for a little bit on Saturday. Hopefully the rain stays away, because I know a lot of people are going to want to enjoy that ball game and getting to have capacity, uh, a 40% capacity crowd, which most of the time A-Day doesn't hit 40% capacity anyway, so I don't think it's a big deal, you know. Right. But a lot of a lot of folks are going to try and come in, I would assume. And it's something else that I think is going to change
2: under this regime, and I, I think it's a lot of pe- more people want it to happen less than it's necessarily going to happen immediately and I think it's it starts and ends with the offensive line and that changes a lot of different things with this football team because it affects quarterback play and it affects how efficient your running game is as well think about it think about it like this everybody in year three is, is expecting but Bo- I, I believe most of the fan bases i'm just speculating here most of the fan base is expecting bonex to become more a more efficient passer and just a, a better quarterback overall and fix his mechanical issues and different things like that as as far as that goes i don't know if we're necessarily going to see it if his offensive line does not get better at pass blocking it's, it, it it has to for him to get better. He's got to be able to have time in the pocket and be able to sit back there and make the throws that we know that he's capable of making. We see so many different times, we've seen so many different times over the last two seasons where Bo Nicks has made just an incredible throw, that that cor- that throw in the corner to Sal Cannella in the Iron Bowl. That's just a dot. It, we've seen over the throw shoulders in that same Iron Bowl to, to Seth Williams. We've seen him make talented, only five-star quarterback plays and throws a, a, but he's not going to be able to do it consistently unless he gets an offensive line. It's the same with Tank Bigsby. He is incredibly elusive. He's very, like, he's very much so like on Johnson, except on Johnson can't do what Tank Bigsby can do. It's in the name. He's a tank. He can run you over. I think, I think he's more efficient at that. He's going to have to have an offensive line that's better at run blocking. This offensive line, it's, it has to improve, and it should improve. Whenever I was talking earlier about this is an Auburn-level defense that like, we've not seen, we didn't see last year, we didn't see an Auburn-level defense. We need to see an Auburn-level offensive line. We need to see an SEC-caliber line in order for this team to go out there and compete because you can't hang it all out on the defense. You were able to do it in 2019 whenever Bo Nix was developing. You were able to do it in 2019 whenever you didn't necessarily have a fantastic running back room with Jatarvius Whitlow. But you no, you're not going to be able to do it this year because we saw how bad it was last year whenever you, di- you weren't, weren't able to con- con- sustain drives and your defense was left out to dry. 240 yards passing is not going to cut it in this league. And I understand we're shifting. We're shifting to a more pass-oriented offense outside of Georgia. Everybody, in, everybody else in the SEC is doing it. But you have to be able to contain the pass in order su- to sustain success in this league. And it starts with the offensive line. That secondary, it starts with the offensive line. Can they sustain drives and can they stay on the field?
1: Just a fun fact, or not a fun fact? Negative fun fact should just just preface to say like, not a fun fact. <laughs> but when you start talking about Bo Nix, it made me think about this. Talking about seeing him maybe receive a jump in completion percentage, become a more efficient passer, right? I was like, I it just for some reason what popped in my brain, a, a light bulb went off. I was like, Good gracious, Jeremy Johnson had a better completion percentage than Bo Nix for did. some reason he that did. just popped up in my brain a uh, career completion percentage for Jeremy Johnson of 63.5 percent so right. far across two seasons for Bo Nix 58.7 percent which people a little bit more knowledgeable about Jeremy Johnson's stat line right now may say well those first two years he got to play against cupcake teams and he really didn't play a whole lot so take out those first two years all right well then look at the year that he started the most games and look at his area and played in the most games his junior season at a 60.5 percent completion percentage which is much closer to where Bo Nix is at but still higher than Bo Nix. Bo Nix's freshman year, 57.6%. And then last year, 59.9% for Bo Nix. And I be, so I believe Jeremy Johnson's stat line, like, even
2: with the Cupcake additions, and I understand that, but I believe it's like, what, 20 touchdowns to 11 picks? It wasn't as terrible as people remember it to be. Career
1: is 20 to 11, but that, I, look, that let's just season look at was that. Still let's look at that 2015 season. I mean, he had 10 touchdowns to seven picks with a total of 1,053 yards on a 60.5 completion percentage. If you adjust it for attempts here, like they're really not that far off in terms of yards, because like Bo Nix threw twelve touchdowns to seven picks right, last year. I was year. just
2: about to mention that. Yeah. Jeremy
1: Johnson was ten to seven. So like, not a big difference in touchdown interception ratio. I know we've got. And Nick Jeremy too. Johnson threw the ball two hundred times less than Bo Nix did. Actually, exactly two hundred times less. So if you adjust for attempts, and with the higher completion percentage, because Jeremy Johnson has a higher completion percentage, if you adjust for attempts. Jeremy Johnson would have had more yards than Bo Nix, and he would have thrown for more touchdowns and definitely more interceptions, but you keep that touchdown-to-interception ratio intact. I mean, Bo Nix may have even... I mean, I'm mean, i not saying for sure, because Bo Nix's running ability changes things. For but, sure.
2: I was about to say... You know, say. it's like
1: statistically as a passer last year, and I don't want this to become the Sean White take that you and I had a couple of months ago, but st- statistically as a passer, Bo Nix really last year was not that much better than Jeremy Johnson's junior season. It. It. I think. I
2: think that's cringy. Bo Nix. I didn't realize that is not an incredibly efficient passer. Very talented player. Athletically, can run the ball a lot more efficiently than Jeremy Johnson could. But I'm just saying, Sean White, and I'm sticking to this take is a more efficient oh, passer to go back to this, than Bo man. Nix was, is right now. So, see, that, <sighs> so, so as far as tra- trajectory goes for this season, I think he's going to get better. I think statistically at the end of his career, he will be better than Sean White in every single major category. I believe that is going to happen. But as of this moment, like even looking at the numbers with Jeremy Johnson, I understand the competition was different. I understand the situation and the scenario and the scenery and whatever you want to say was different. But stats it's it's statistics you can't argue with statistics (laughs) there are a lot of different factors here all right but nobody's attacking you yeah nobody's (laughs) attacking you there are a lot of different factors that factor into this but sean white was an efficient quarterback he just wasn't a great one bonix has the potential to be an efficient quarterback and a great one because we've seen the physical attributes in the moments where we're just like wow not a whole lot of humans in, in in the country can do that not a lot of college football players can do that
1: i want to take this in a different direction here and what we'll probably talk about for the remainder of the show here unintended consequences right they happen in everything okay you, you think you're doing one thing the right way you think you're doing the right thing and then there may be some unintended consequences that follow that may be good maybe bad right And so the direction that I want to take this here is talking about the NCAA approving a one-time transfer rule with immediate eligibility. One time, you can transfer immediate eligibility. What are the unintended consequences of this? How do you expect this to affect the game? Whether it be college basketball, college football, college baseball, collegiate athletics, you can transfer anywhere, anytime. Well, I shouldn't say anytime. You can transfer anywhere, one time.
2: So I hate to be so negative but we've talked about this a lot. and I'm, I'll try and be positive about it I'm, just to play
1: devil's advocate then.
2: I'm calling it free agency. It's not a transfer portal. It's free agency for the ability for these kids to transfer to wherever they want to. It's It's just like NFL free agency. I think the issues that immediately come with that... Are, it makes the Group of Five weaker, and there are a couple of different scenarios that could play out as far as where the mass exodus goes. Does it go to Group of Five or does it go to Power Five? Because if I'm somebody like, what was the defensive end that we had a couple of years ago that was a five star that transferred to Maryland? What Byron was it? Coward. Byron Coward. If we have a guy like him and he transfers to, let's say, Maryland, he'd probably want to go to a Power Five school over a team like Florida Atlantic. And I think that's where the mass is going to go is they're going to say, let's go to a power five school because we're going to be we're going to have more publicity. I think it's the same thing with group of five kids that are really talented. They'll want to transfer and go to a, a to a, a premier school and a premier conference because they're going to get seen more and they're probably going to get to shine on a team that's much better than At the team the that they were already on. least the best group of five on. players will. Right, the best will. And so I think that's going to take away the parody that was kind of in college basketball. I don't believe there's any parody whatsoever in college uh college football but it's going to
1: to 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 make the gap bigger in my opinion so i want want to go in a couple directions of this then the first thing is you said that there is going to be it's going to be like free agency and i'm playing devil's advocate here nothing that you just said i believe to be wrong i think what you just said is true there there is going to be more transfers that's number one on my list by default there is going to be more transfers because now there is not a major barrier restricting these guys from transferring one time If they want to go and improve their situation in collegiate athletics they can do just that when you bring up the word free agency and i was thinking about this earlier before the show some of the most exciting times in the offseason in professional athletics is free agency nba free agency is a hoot we are we're getting woge bombs for for days leading up to nba free agency right and then it hits midnight, and then bang, everything starts happening, you know? And it's an exciting time to see where all these guys are moving. I think it does make the offseason more exciting. I believe that, too. I think that can also be true with more transfers occur- uh, occurring
2: i agree and then to couple to couple that to go along with it you see guys like jalen hurts transfer you know what that does for teams like oklahoma it boosts their ratings it boosts it boosts sales and anything that you would want to name whenever you bring in a talented guy you're gonna get more viewership you not only just the player but you the the team you're gonna get more publicity and i think that's a good thing it's just the better teams are going to be getting that publicity
1: but an unintended consequence here is with this fun free agency offseason and everything I think there might be less allegiance inside programs with coaching staffs and programs Mm -hmm. to their current players right I think we've already seen it this year in college basketball recently four guys left the Auburn program at the end of the year Sharif Cooper went to the NBA Justin Powell leaves I think that was more of a Justin Powell thing than an Auburn thing but Javon Franklin and Jamal Johnson to me speaks more to hey guys y'all probably aren't playing right we want to go bring in some new guys and i think in the future maybe you see programs who yes are on the hook with these scholarships and maybe they you know and yes they are on the hook with these scholarships like these guys don't have to leave but auburn can still or any other team can still bring in players bring in transfers that can usurp these guys playing time right right and so i think that there could be less allegiance to current players on your roster you can just straight up cut guys say hey like at the end of the year, like scholarships were new on a year-to-year basis, at the end of the year, you like, hey, it's not working, cut. And then, boom, you bring in some transfers from somewhere else, you dip into the transfer portal to recruit positions that maybe aren't performing. So I think there's going to be less allegiance to underperforming, or just generally less allegiance to current players on your roster, more likely to see current players that are underperforming have to transfer out of a program because they're going to try and bring in new talent that is going to work right away.
2: And everybody's replaceable, and then it becomes everybody's replaceable easily everybody everybody can still in the past they've been able to transfer and do whatever they've just had to get waivers and stuff like that but now it the process becomes easier for guys to 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 come in and to leave programs and I don't think that's necessarily a good thing both for the players and for the coaching staffs because whenever I'm recruiting a kid and I'm saying you're gonna be my guy you're gonna come and you're gonna play and you're going to be a star I just you're you're going to have to 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 sit in the rafters for the first season because you're so young and inexperienced and I've got guys ahead of you that I've I've pledged allegiance to that are going to get playing time that freshman doesn't get playing time in his first year and then he can just up and leave like that he should be able to he should be he should have to commit if he commits to a program to stay for a year and 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 wait it out because that is what he committed himself to the coach gave him an opportunity to come and succeed at his program the kid should be loyal and he should have an allegiance to it for at least a year Unless there is an outside factor that, will, that would factor into it, meaning family issues, uh, just, it, it, just what, whatever you want to say. But I think the majority of, of, of players should have to be a, a, allegiant to their school for a short amount of time before they can just up and transfer wherever they want to.
1: And I'm not going to get in too far into that because there's some things I have a problem with that and some things that, I, that, some things that I may agree with, some things that I do have a problem with, and we're just running out of time in this segment. But the last thing that I'm going to say, another thing that is going to be possibly an unintended consequence, something that we're going to see happen more and more in the future, top teams are going to be able to reload every year more easily. You no longer are tied to necessarily what you've got on your roster or a limited crop of players transferring out there. Now you're going to be able to reload at all of your position groups is because Say that you have, uh, you know, say that you're losing a lot of guys in a certain position group, and maybe you just, you're not feeling that great about some of the freshmen that are on your roster at that point that are coming up, or some of your underclassmen. You're going to be able to go out, find somebody that's experienced in the transfer portal. Alabama's going to be over here like, oh, we just lost our starting left tackle. I don't really like the guy who's coming into that spot. But there's, hey, look at this left tackle, Panay Sewell's transferring from Oregon wouldn't you want to come play at the top program in college football yep yes he would because that's going to be able to get him into the nfl so i think i think you see the top teams like alabama ohio state clemson maybe a couple of other teams included in that oklahoma to a degree i think you see those four programs reload more and more easily every single year and some of the other teams might have a little bit more difficult of time getting some of the top players but you won't know until you know. We're not going to know anything about how this affects the game until it actually goes through That's right. a couple of recruiting cycles. I don't even think one year's data is going to be enough. It might signal – it might foreshadow some things for the future, but you're just not going to know until, until we see a couple of years of this. But I, I will hold to what I said to start this segment. It's going to make the offseason more exciting. Can't that is not sure. That. It's going to make the offseason a lot more exciting. This has been an exciting time in college basketball uh, with, sure. it, with this offseason. I, I think it's made – the offseason, the immediate offseason for college basketball, a whole lot more fun. We'll be back to wrap up the show on the other side of this break. You're listening to On the Line. Back on On the Line, no Gardner and Lance Dahl wrapping up the show here. Got about three minutes left in the show. Before we wrap it up, let's take a listen to what's on TV tonight. Hey everybody, it's Noah Gardner with What's On Tonight. Sitcom lineup on CBS with four new episodes starting at 7 with Young Sheldon. After that, catch United States of Al at 7.30, Mom at 8, and Be Positive at 8.30. Over on ABC at 8, crazy Anatomy has a new episode as well. The Bounty Hunter season on BattleBots continues at 7 on Discovery. Movie selection for tonight, Billy Bean goes against the grain as general manager of the Oakland Athletics, turning around the franchise in the process. Moneyball is on AMC at 7. And live sports, the Iron Bowl heads to the base. Baseball Diamond for the first of a three-game series catch Auburn and Alabama square off on SEC Network at 6 also in SEC baseball number 11 South Carolina will travel to the Bayou to take on LSU at 6 30 on ESPNU the Thursday night NBA schedule features two games on TNT at 6 30 the Atlanta Hawks will host the Milwaukee Bucks at 9 a classic robbery is rehashed in LA the Boston Celtics head to the West Coast to face off with the Los Angeles Lakers I'm Noah Gardner and that's what's on TV tonight Iron Ball of Baseball takes to the Baseball Diamond tonight. 6 p.m. starting in Tuscaloosa between Auburn and Alabama. That game can be found on SEC Network this night and this night alone. The other games are going to be on SEC Network Plus across the rest of the weekend. Senior right-handed pitcher Cody Greenhill for Auburn getting the start. 3-0, 1.83 ERA. Perfect record on the line tonight against junior righty Tyler Ross, who's 5-1 and 3.45 ERA moved into that starting role for, for pretty much the entire season. All but one Friday start or, or game one start because Connor Prelip went down with injury, but Connor Prelip back for Saturday's game, which is game three of the series. Prelip 1-0 with a zero ERA. The guy has not given up a run in his entire coll- collegiate
2: career. That's pretty impressive. It's pretty impressive. I he would hasn't say pitched that, a lot, though. I would say still that Alabama's
1: pitching staff probably has a, a, an edge over Auburn's currently. I would agree with that. I don't think tonight. I think Green Hill's the better tonight. I do agree. And if Auburn could get lights out pitching from Green Hill and just a little bit of run support, I'm saying like five runs may be enough to win tonight. Four or five runs may be enough to win tonight. If Auburn can do that, that should be doable. Whoever bounces the other team's starter quicker, they're going to win more games in this series. I agree. 100% because the bullpens are the bullpens are underwhelming. But we've got less than a minute left in the show. Quick prediction. Who's winning the series I've
2: got Auburn winning the series two to one I don't think Alabama is going to be continue the momentum that they have right now going into this contest I think Auburn is going to be able to show why they were in contention against Ole Miss and Arkansas over the course of those two series I think Auburn is the more complete team tonight I feel like Alabama is a little top heavy so I'm taking the Tigers to win 2-1 I think they win tonight and then I think they win on Saturday
1: I think they, yes, I think they win tonight and on Saturday for sure. The sweep is on, baby, if Auburn wins tonight and tomorrow. For sure. They win tonight, tomorrow, the sweep is on. I'm, I'm saying Thursday and Saturday for sure. I'll go two out of three because I'm just not totally confident that this bullpen can can do it, if this bullpen can help Auburn get to a sweep. But I'm, I'll say two out of three as well. But they got to win tonight. If they don't win tonight, I, I don't think they get it done. That's it for another additional Bond Line, The Drive with Bill Cameron following us here at 4. We'll be back with you tomorrow. You know where to find us.